Welcome to the Real Estate Mindset Podcast, hosted by Eric Nelson and brought to you by Wild Oak Capital. Eric is a real estate investor, business owner, and performance coach. Throughout this series, Eric explores the mindset behind why certain investors are so successful and how we can learn from their achievements and failures. Eric asks the tough questions around the habits, discipline, mindset, and more required to achieve the most ambitious goals. Thank you for being here and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Mindset. This is your host, Eric Nelson. And today I have a repeat guest. Jay, I, I just have a lot of respect for him. I, I love his style. I can just tell he's thoughtful and, you know, just a, a family man. All Like a lot of things I really respect about him. And so, so cool to have him back on the show a year later and kind of hear what he's up to. Kind of dive into some lending stuff, which is really cool. And then we also just talk about his mastermind and family. And it's kind of a funny... I think kind of a funny episode. So hopefully you get a ton of value and also some entertainment out of it. But just a really, really cool guy. I'm so blessed to have him on. So without further ado, I'll bring in Jay. All right, Jay, welcome back. We were we were just saying it's been time flies because it's been about a year, I think, since yeah. you were last on. So if you're listening, go back and listen to I think it's episode 82. Jay and I kind of talk about all this stuff. And back then you were you were kind of going like East Coast, Airbnb, Airbnb, living, yeah. if I remember right. So I'm excited to hear about your personal life yeah. as well as your professional world as well. Yeah. So um, we're still doing that. Uh, oh, sweet, so man. Jealous. We've we've kind of fallen into this. So right now we're at home in, uh, in, in Florida and we, we love winters down here from September until about March. It's just amazing. We don't get a lot of tourists like we do in the summertime. So we, you know, we can go to restaurants or we, you know, the streets are not crowded or, or highways are not crowded. So we've kind of fallen into this. We'll be here for that amount of time. And then March and April, we'll, we'll go do our own version of whatever spring break is. And then in the summertime, we're gone. And then we'll spend May, but we'll spend May here because of, uh, we homeschool our kids. They have to do a homeschool evaluation. Just so happens to line up with the girls, their annual well checks so may we're in florida but the rest of time and we we had an amazing trip out this summer we went out west so we drove from florida uh, ultimately made it to montana that was the furthest away that we, we we were and uh but man texas we were just talking about texas i didn't realize how big texas were. like it's, i, I it's get really how big, big. it's texas yeah it's is on a map but drove so, you know, we're on I-10 at the very bottom, went went through across Mississippi, Louisiana, curved, you know, just north of Houston, I think it was. Yeah, Houston. And then I was like, oh, we're, we'll be fine. We'll be done in like a day. No. Texas <laughs> <laughs> takes like, like we, 10 days across. <laughs> we we made it up to Amarillo and uh, our plans was, was just to stay the night. But it turned out there's actually a, a lot of cool stuff in Amarillo to do. So we're like, oh, let's stay a couple of days. And um and so we did that and then we drove for another like half day and then we finally made it out of Texas. But just beautiful like scenery. Like I've heard of these big ranches you go out and you go hunting in. And I've always dreamt of doing that at some point in time. But we got to see some of those. Like we were driving and we got to like found ourselves in the middle of one of them for some reason. And I was like, oh, this is this is a different way of life. Like I this is interesting. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, honey, what do you think about living out here? And she's like, 
you know, we passed like a gas station two hours ago and there's nothing else between us and there, you know, nothing coming up soon. She goes, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounds like my wife. She'd be like, no way. Yeah. No way. No way. <laughs> but yeah, we've been, we've been traveling and, um, you know, last, I don't even think we talked about this last time, but we had briefly, if we did, we had just started a hard money lending business for members of our community. And, um, you know, we closed our first loan in September of 2022 and on our annual, our year anniversary, we calculated up and we've originated a little over 4 million, uh, in loans and that's going extremely well. We've, um, I don't know, do we, do we talk about the, um, I found out our property manager was stealing from us. So we, we had to navigate all of that. <laughs> so, no, we did not talk about that. I'm interested in both of those things. It depends on how deep you want to go. Cause both of those, I have a million questions. So. <laughs> well, let's just, let's, which one's most interesting? Well, let's, you... let's start with, let's go in order. So hard money rent lending, yeah. when you say originate, I mean, are you, are you using, you know, like a small group of money pooled together and you're kind of facilitating that capital and then what are the kind of more or less rates you're seeing right now? Yeah. So we're doing a little bit of all of that. We've got a small group of folks that, and us included, I said me, us as me and uh, I got two partners to help create this and operate this business. So we put our own money in, we have other partners come out. And so a lot of it is we'll broke, we, we have some lenders who just want to work by themselves and we just broker deals to them. And then other ones we keep in house and, and help serve. And so what we're getting right now is for our lenders is 12 to 13%. And then, it, and that includes a, a point on the origination. Yeah. That's about what I've heard. Recently, I yeah. have a friend who, who does that as well. And that's what I think it was exactly that. It was 1% for people he knows and then a 12%, you know, and he'll do an yeah. interest only thing. So like they have a little bit of yep. flexibility, but yeah, very cool. All right. Well, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And if that's going well, that's great. I mean, that's a really solid return for, you know, yeah. trust the deal kind of thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We underwrite conservatively. I mean, we've got a few different tools that we look at these deals and, and um, you know, some require you know, the full like appraisal piece, some don't. Uh, and the way that we kind of navigate that is we have a few different tools that we use. And if they're all like within some alignment of where, you know, the value is, then we're like, all right, you're good to go. But then anything over 500, you know, we, we want a broker's opinion value or, or an appraisal done on it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out well. And we, we constantly battle this where we have more money than we have you know, loan the uh, uh, borrowers, and then we'll have more borrowers than we have money. <laughs> and so <laughs> they never align. Like, yeah, they, they, it's it's rare that they ever align, and, and you know that's one one of the challenges we're trying to navigate is how do we how do we do that? Because right now, from yesterday until next week, we'll have close to a million that's going to be paid back to lenders, and then only we only have close to two hundred. I think it's like one seventy five deal is going to happen. So there's a huge chunk that's sitting there and those lenders aren't very patient with it sitting there. So that's one of the things that we're learning to navigate. And we've got, we've got some plans that we're going to up, um, change that up in 2024 to, to make it a little bit more seamless for, for the lenders and more profitable for the lenders, I should say. Yeah. Cause if they're sitting the money sitting on the sidelines, I mean, that's crushing. Yeah, and, and, and they're not, you know, we're not the only brokers they work with. You know, yeah. 
We're, we're, we're not exclusively dating. <laughs> <laughs> not yet until you can start lining more people up, right? That's yeah, that's yeah. that's the idea. And, and uh, ultimately we want to get to having a fund structure. And that's 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 the plan for 2024 is finally launch that. We wanted to we wanted to do it this year, but you know, as we kind of got into it, we're like, all right, maybe that was a little, little bit of an ambitious goal. Maybe we need to get a little bit more uh not experience is one of those things, but get get just get a little more experience underneath our belt. Right before we go and launch a fund and figure that out, and I'm glad we waited because there's, you know, there's there's things that we know now about how to structure a fund that we didn't know like even two months ago, you know, and so it's it's not inexpensive <laughs> to launch a fund, and uh, so it's one of the you know it's not going to be perfect, but you want to get it as close to perfect as you can when you do that kind of thing. So does it operate like a fund where the 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 loan is coming out of that fund you created? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's more of um, so when a lot of folks hear fund, they think of syndication and you're going and you're buying, you know, already identified multifamilies, right? Like they're part of the prospectus. You can look at the pro forma. Hey, the fund's going to buy this, or the fund's going to buy this mobile home park. And this is where it's a little bit different and it's a little more costly to set up. It's basically as one consultant said. <laughs> Very color- colorfully, they said. So basically, you're just open. You're just asking for uh, a, a blank check. And I was like, well, <laughs> not necessarily. Like we're gonna still get preferred returns, and you know, it's to borrowers that we know, and I trust our underwriting. And you know, part of the part of the reason why we have waited to implement the fund is we didn't want to be in a position to have to pay returns. On like like that example I just gave you, we got seven fifty going back to our lenders. Well, if it was coming back to us, right, and we didn't have a deal to plug it into, well, now we're kind of positioned. Well, we're in a spot to to really force our hand to invest into a bad deal, right? And that's yeah, yeah. my partners yeah. and I all agree that's not that's not a position we want to put ourselves into. So as we've waited and done more research, we've figured out, okay, there's a way to navigate that without having to work, work that out. So yeah. Um, so the fund, the fund hasn't quite launched yet. That's what you're saying. No, uh, you've been, okay. You've been working with private lenders, but now you guys are going to step into this fund world where you have yeah, yeah. This, this kind of bank of money. Okay, cool. And no, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's a really smart way to do it because to your point, like had you not known the ins and outs, you know, and you got this cash yeah. sitting there. It's like, oh gosh, we got to deploy this somewhere, you know? Yeah. And they're, yeah. So that's, that's awesome. What, what kind of deals are you guys liking to loan on? So we do, we do a lot of fix and flip and that could be single family, small multifamily. We haven't done any medium sized multifamily yet. I say yet. And then we've also done some short term rentals. So people buy cabins and, and some of these, you know, really hot markets that are even still hot. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> like in Gatlinburg and, and uh, some uh, broken bow areas, and um, you know they need funds to do new construction, as we were talking about earlier, or they just buy a really dilapidated cabin that needs, you know, needs some TLC. And they, I mean, we're just we're set to close on a refinance tomorrow of one of the properties where lady bought it for. Oh man, she'll look these up. I think she she bought it for around five fifty. She put fifty into it. She's all in for six hundred. And her appraisal came in at eight eight hundred or eight twenty. Nice. I can't Good remember. Her. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And and so when we underwrote it, we underwrote it at seven twenty, seven fifty, something around there. So it was way above what we were expecting. But yeah, it's it uh, it's been it's been great, man. It's 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 been wild. It's been awesome to see folks closing properties that they never would have been able to close on before. 
and build our portfolio. And that's kind of the reason why we went down this path to start it, because we kept hearing from folks in the community saying, I got this really good deal. And then we'd underwrite it like, yeah, that's a really good deal. And they're like, how, how can you get funding for this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and so, so we, yeah. you know, listening to them and just came up with a solution and it's, it's, it's been great. It's been really, really good. That's awesome. I, I hear that all the time. Like I, I think our, our, I live in Colorado and I can't help but notice your sweatshirt. So well done for this. Winter podcast. Park, man. We're, we're, uh, <laughs> we, we had the best time in Winter yeah, Park. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Winter Park is awesome. Really, really cool. So, um, well, anyways, I hear this all the time though. I mean, it's a pretty expensive market here. So people say, I've got this deal, but the bank won't loan over 500 or, yeah. you know, it's too risky for the bank or whatever. And, and like those, flip things, especially I live in Durango, but like, it's a pretty risky proposition. It's a pretty rare time that the deals come together, but when they do, it's pretty obvious for someone who really knows the market. Yeah. But to your point, there's, it's really hard to find lending. So that's a really cool like solution for people. Are you ever willing to be in second position? Are you guys always first? And then is the LTV fairly low kind of thing? Always in first. We've had some folks want us to come in at second and basically uh, what our lenders require from a percentage from interest rate, it just doesn't make sense for the borrower to do that. And we, we will go up to, we haven't done 100% uh, purchase price in the last six months. We've done up to 90% of the purchase price and 100% of the rehab, but the LTV is up to 70, 70%. And there's, there's a little margin, right? Right. You know, we go up 72, 75. It's not a big deal. We're a little bit more flexible than, oh man, it's 70 point eight so we can't do the deal like we'll we'll work with folks because we know most of the folks who are who we're working with right yeah. so uh but yeah we'll do and you and i were talking before i think this is before you hit the record button that some of these uh ltvs are kind of outrageous and i i yeah. saw one the other day it said <laughs> up to 50 percent ltv i was like <laughs> Well, why don't we just pay for the property cash? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We see that from, so like right now, I don't know if you've been paying attention to multifamily. Uh, We can get into that, of course. But like Freddie Fannie, they're only going to loan on what's happened right now, but they're really only going up to like 65%. And so if you don't have debt coverage on the T12, it's, and I don't want to go too far in depth here, but you're only going to get 60%, something like that. So then you raise that plus the rehab, but none of these deals are are working out, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's why like, bank loans at least lately for us have been great because they'll do a little higher ltv sometimes do like you know we're getting like a line of credit for the rehab things like that so that's what yeah. we're seeing lately yeah i have been watching multifamily space we're, we found we do really good in tertiary markets secondary and tertiary it's where i grew up i feel like i know folks who who live in those markets and and even still you know those those opportunities that come up they're they're slim but they don't necessarily pencil out and so what we found is we're taking this, and I say we, it's my partners and I, is we are taking this time to just really build relationships with potential sellers who might be open to owner financing one day or with realtors and brokers who are representing those markets, right? And um, that's that's about the only thing we can do right now because I am almost sick. Like I still underwrite properties weekly just to keep that muscle memory going. But everyone I do, because we have such conservative underwriting, right? Everyone I do, it's almost half of what the ask is. Yeah, we're and, seeing a lot of that. We, we're we really blessed we have 200 contracts. We'll close one here in December, yeah. one in, in January, but they're very unique. I mean, one, we're buying from the owner directly and he's staying on the deal. Okay. And the other one is 
it's a tertiary market and yeah. the, the seller kind of needs out. Like it's one of those things where like if it's on market and it's a standard deal, yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, it's I'm not the buyer for that. Uh, like the the buyer for that is somebody uh, the broker needs to be looking for somebody who needs a tax write off and is willing yeah. to take a hit. But we looked at a, um, I think it was a 16 unit yesterday and, uh, or earlier this week. And I was like, oh, this is a good price, price per unit. All right, let's start plugging it in. And they were asking, I think it was 850 or eight, no, it was 895. And I underwrote it, put in, you know, the interest rate and the terms and everything and what I knew about the property. And it came out at 699. And I was like, all right, this isn't half. So we're making some improvements. That's, yeah, I was going to say, I would still yeah. offer, man. I'd write the LOI well, at six fifty. <laughs> they bought it for seven ninety five a year ago. Oh, oh, that's, they, have it, yeah. they have a loan on it. And uh, and so I was like, well, is the loan assumable? They're like, no, it's not. So I don't know. You know, that's I, I, it's one of those situations where I feel like maybe there's a partnership involved in this and it didn't go as planned and they're just trying to cut their losses and get out of it. But again, I'm not your buyer at what you have in it i mean i'm I, you know it's just it, it it it'll shift though the market will shift oh yeah 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 i mean it's a matter of time right before things catch up yeah. and i mean we we talk about this a lot too like there's quite a bit of bridge that come and do and i don't think it's going to force people's hand like some p- people are predicting but there'll be some situations where people need to get out like you're describing maybe it didn't go as planned yeah. so there could be a win-win there where it's like all right we can basically help you break even kind of thing maybe get out of it sort of so I think there's some opportunity coming. I mean, I think we're we're the same. Pretty optimistic that it's a matter of time till things shift. I really love your thinking though. It's kind of like, all right, well, what's a problem that the market has and how do we provide a solution? And yeah, lending is really hard right now. So if you're like, yeah. look, we can loan up up to close to purchase so long as the loan to cost works for you guys, that's that's yeah. a great solution. So it's awesome. I tell you, I'd be set for life if I could figure out the insurance, providing insurance to investors in the state of Florida right now. I mean, oh and, gosh, and some of yeah. Texas, I mean, if, if you could come in and, un, I mean, you could undercut every provider there is by 20% and still be making a killing. If you could figure out how to do that, you'd, you'd be set for, set for life. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, nuts. it's pretty, pretty crazy to watch. I mean, we were underwriting some stuff in Louisiana. I don't, I don't buy there, but I was just helping some coaching clients. Same story. I was like, oh, this is a pretty good deal. And then they got insurance quotes and I was like, that completely <laughs> destroys your deal. I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, you can go out and get as many quotes as you want, but if they're all that high, you're way off. And yeah, I've heard of some like, I don't know, like co-ops or something being put together to try and do this, but I don't know. And then the thing is like one hurricane comes along and you have all those payouts. I might, I understand what they're doing, but it's, it's ridiculous. You know, the pendulum yeah. swung so far, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's- but now it's funny. I've forgotten the second thing we were going to talk about. I had a bunch of questions for that. We went down the money um, rabbit hole. Was it the the property manager stealing? Well, yeah, I'm interested in that too, I guess. I mean, if you're willing to to dive into that, that's wild. I'll I'll go into any details you want except for the the person who it is. Now, if if you're listening to this and you're investing in the Mobile, Alabama area and you want to know who this is, I'll be glad to tell you. Just just reach out because you don't need to use them. But just we got to the point where my partners and I decided that we were not going to file a lawsuit because basically we're, we're we would be using good money to go after bad. Yeah, but yeah, I get that. I mean, yeah, unless there was, was a mountain of money, it's probably not worth it. You know, it was almost going to be dollar for dollar. Like the 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 attorney we consulted with, you know, he he said, "Look, you're going to spend about thirty grand to go through this suit." 
and you know you're the way i see it your damages is it's about 30 grand so you got to decide are you going to spend 30 to make 30 and i was like or it was his advice was are, are you okay with spending 30 to get in front of a judge who may then award you 30 and then if if the um, defendant doesn't pay it what do you do then yeah I was like, yeah yeah probably doesn't sound like a good idea so Man, these these things like this, and this isn't the same, but here where I live, there was, and this is public information, so there was an embezzlement for the city accountant had been embezzling money <laughs> for like 20 years, like a long time. And it wasn't huge amounts of money. It was like, I want to say 50 grand a year, like a amount of money that improved her lifestyle, but was Even very so, easy yeah. to miss. It, but it amounted up to about a million bucks. I think it was a little more. And so, of course, he went to jail for a little bit, and then the judge ordered to pay it back. And I was like, so he's never seen that money, you know, like that's that's gone. And that's, you know, this yeah. is a bigger number than what you're describing. But I always wonder, like, just because a judge tells you to someone to do it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to pay it back, you know? No, I mean, it's just like, you know, child support. How many how many folks are in jail right now because they failed to pay child support, right? And they're going to serve some time. I don't know if that erases the debt or not, but, you know, chances are... You know, in in our case with our property manager, we would never. I don't think we'd ever get it. Yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah. So how did you how did you find out? Because it, it seems to me like that could slip through the cracks. I mean, I look at the P and L monthly, but there's got to well, be some lines in there that could just be boosted a hair. You know, that kind of thing. Well, I I wasn't, and this all falls on me, right? Because I I was in this partnership. Little backstory: I hired this guy to manage a fourplex that we had years ago. He's always done a great job, always provided, you know, reports on time. Distributions were always made, you know, similar amounts every month. There would be, you know, maintenance or whatnot. And it was all happening the way I felt that property should be ran. And then we turned over and we handed this uh, 16-unit apartment complex that we acquired to him at my recommendation because I've used him, got a working relationship. It's good. You know, he does a great job. And some of our partners approved it and we started working with him and, me being the managing member and having a relationship with this guy, I trusted and did not verify for months. And so, you know, we're six months into this and I'm thinking, why don't we have enough money in our account to make a distribution to my partners? It's like, what's what's happening here? So long story short, basically the amount of rents being reported collected were not matching deposits made into our account. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's wild. And so then we go back to, okay, well, why this doesn't match up? Well, it's an accounting error. We're going to get it resolved. You know, we got excuses and excuses and excuses. And so we gave him a couple months to get it resolved. It didn't. All right. Well, let me see a rent roll. Let me actually see who's behind. Right. And so I saw a couple couple of tenants who were months behind. I was like, all right, I, I want to, I want the contact information for these tenants. I want to call them and ask them because apparently you guys are not doing your job, right? Because I asked for, well, have you posted notices? Seven day pit or I mean, there was one lady who lived there for a year, never paid rent. Oh man. Now, <laughs> now she, she has caught up since then. Amazingly. Yeah. That sounds that's amazing. Yeah. And she was the exception to the rule. She said, yes, I haven't paid because I got laid off for COVID, blah, blah, blah. I had some health issues. I was in the hospital. I was like, all right, I get that one, right? That I can understand that one. But, and even if we don't go through the eviction, the notice needs to be posted just to follow, you know, statutes, right? But then after that one, there were three other tenants who were 
in a range of one to six months behind. And I call them all. There was not, there was more than three. It's about half. So there was a, there were seven out of the 16 that were like this. And then there was one that she was in the hospital and had some health issues. Right. But I call all seven of them, you know, and I would say, Hey, they got together and they all like just agreed to the same story because it was like, they went to a conference and they grabbed the script and they were all reading it word for word. Right. But the thing is the 16 unit is made up of two different addresses and one's across. I mean, they're not next door. They're like 15 miles apart. And so, and so the stories that were told were, look, I've been paying rent. I was told to pay with money orders and to mail those money orders to the office. Every tenant had, I was like, well, do you have the money order receipts? Well, the ones that kept the receipts, amazingly, those funds ended up getting credited to our account before it was all said and done. For the ones who didn't have the receipts, they just didn't show up miraculously, right? And so I told the property manager, look, I've talked to these eight tenants. Here's the deal. Accepting money orders is no longer a form of payment that we accept. It is not traceable. It's not trackable unless they keep the receipts. And I'm not relying on them keeping receipts. And he fought me on it. He said, no, it's a legal tender. We're accepting it. I was like, no, we are not accepting it. It's not something that's happening. And so a month after we had that conversation, we just made the decision to, to get rid of them. And we've been self, self-managing that property for a little over a year now. Yeah, a little over a year. And we have a couple of tenants who are late every now and then. But I mean, our accounts receivable last month was $125. <laughs> you mean your delinquency, right? Yeah. yeah like, yeah. yeah, this is, this is wild. <clears throat> and so then, then how did you figure out kind of the amount that you had lost from this? And how, I guess, how did you find this, the sort of stealing? Yeah. So there was really no other explanation. And that's kind of where, when we, here's, here's where we the attorney that we were working with was like, okay, well, if we go to court, it's, he says, basically, what can you prove? And what can you prove? And he goes, let's, let's walk through this. You have a tenant who potentially has not paid rent. They claim they have it. Property managers claims they have, they have not. And then he goes, but what, what can you prove? Cause they don't have receipts. Like nobody has a receipt of anything. And he goes, you can prove the only thing that you can prove is if they didn't pay rent, that the property manager didn't post a notice and didn't start an eviction which is negligence on the property management contract you have, but is it proof that they are stealing, right? And I was like, all right, emotions aside, right? Like emotions <laughs> aside, correct. That is not proof that they're stealing. Did they do a horrible job at being a property manager? Absolutely, you know, and, and, and when you put it like that. But you're telling me seven people at two different addresses across town don't know one another other than, you know, a couple of them are living in this property and the rest of them live in this property. They all have the exact same story, right? And they're they're the only the other ones, the other tenants who are paying by check or driving to the property manager's office and paying with cash, they're all up to speed. It just happens to be the people who are paying with money orders and told to pay with money orders. Yeah, exactly. Uh, are behind. Wow. I was like, and and here was kind of the nail in the coffin. I thought, okay, there's there's more going on with this property manager than BCI, but two months after we fired him his wife was caught stealing at some boutique store in town. Yeah. It sounds like, like they're in okay. some hot water or something. <laughs> there's, hot, yes. there's some, there's more going on there. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was just a very, so stealing may be, maybe uh, an aggressive word to use. Cause it is, what can you prove? Right. And yeah. we could prove yeah. that they're a really horrible property manager, but we can suspect that they were stealing from us. 
Right. Well, the money order and asking for that, that's pretty clear. I mean, like it's to yeah. your point, like can't really trace it. So, I mean, I guess they were stealing in a way that was <laughs> so smart stealing. I mean, how else do you say that? But it's terrible, man. That's brutal. I'm, well, glad, you, and, I'm glad you figured it out and got out of it. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is we kept arguing over. Um, so when we bought the property, rents were at 550. Now they're super low, super low for the area. The our longest tenant who's lived there, she's lived there for 14, almost 15 years now. When she moved in 15 years ago, her rent was 550, right? And I'm like, we can go up. Like there's like the, the market there will support it. And they kept, the property manager kept arguing, you, you're not going to be able to get higher rents. Like I, and I like my, my, um, the story I tell myself is they realize that people who are willing to or can pay that lower rent they can swindle and they can, you know, convince otherwise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, um, but yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's, it's funny. We, when we took over, it, it's, we worked with tenants who, who admittedly said, Hey, I'm behind and they're all caught up. And then the people who, you know, had receipt or showed us, or, or we felt like they were legitimately had paid, you know, we just credited their account. Right. But ever since then, ever since we took over, we've had maybe one or two tenants that have been late. We evicted one person, but she was the main reason she got evicted is because she wasn't paying rent. But then also she called, she called me up and her and her mother both were cussing me out saying that I took money out of their account, which I don't even have access to. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been an interesting year as far as that goes and it's it's been a real confidence booster for me personally because i've never had to do anything like that you know and when we we found out he was or we felt like he was stealing right is we started looking for other property managers and my partners and I, we just couldn't get comfortable with anybody i was like all right i'll do it right like i'll i had the most time i had the most flexibility and i'm willing to work and it was just a huge confidence boost to to work through that whole thing you know and ultimately come down to you know this uh, in January, we'll be able to make our, our third consecutive distribution at above 8%, which we haven't, we didn't do it at all in the first year when we had it. Amazing what management does, man. I talk about this a lot. It's, it's, it's the key to everything. It's the key. Management's the it key the to key. all real estate. If you have a good manager, it could take a really tough property and turn it, <clears throat> and turn it around. The opposite's true, right? Like yeah. a property like you're running at 8%, a bad manager can run a zero or negative, you know, and that's, it it's was, the key for sure. So, and we, we were, I mean this, so this property generates a little over 10 grand a month gross. Right. And our operating account was down to a couple of grand. Our reserve account was down to like 1700 bucks at one point in time at its lowest. And even though we've made those distributions, so this is a, a, a little over a year turnaround. We've had, um, we've, bulked up our reserves to over 20 grand we our our operating account uh hovers around five grand we bought uh, a second parcel that's next to it's empty part of land next to one of our properties and and for the last three quarters or in january i can say the last three quarters we've made above eight percent distribution all within the same year yeah something's up i think you're right (laughs) i gotta say Sounds like I mean, it's all, stealing it's, to me. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> all signs point to that. And yeah. yeah, that's tough. Well, kudos for getting through it and turning it around. I mean, 
that's a tough situation. And if you have the ability to kind of like, all right, what's going on and, and get out of that, that's cool. So let's, what's the projection going forward look like for you? I mean, 2024 sounds like you're going to launch a fund. Mostly one, around lending. Do you, project. do you guys have to have a broker's <laughs> lending license or how does the licensure work for that? And then are you only lending in certain parts of the world? Like certain we parts are. of, okay. Yeah. So licensing is a state by state regulation. And so we only, and you can imagine, we're only in 33 states, but most of that we focus on landlord friendly states, right? So you can kind of imagine where that is. And those states don't require licensing to broker to broker deals so no oh, cool all right yeah yeah that's interesting that so many don't require it are yeah. those 33 states the 33 that don't require licensure correct oh yeah. cool it's just out yep. of curiosity is colorado one of those uh i can look up i don't think so i mean i mean it's me a pretty blue up. state generally but not to bring politics in but it does it does play a role I and mean, just be honest um it does it does and it's you know there's we run that balance of Providing for borrowers, but also protecting lenders, right? Because let's see here, Colorado, it is Colorado. We can we can lend in Colorado. Wow, there you go. All right, if yeah. you're listening in Colorado, if you're in Denver, <laughs> I got a buddy who's uh, he's all. I mean, he's like one of those guys that's always doing deals. Always, yeah. just he just that's what he does. You know, he finds the deals in Denver and really cool guy. He speaks at our conference. I thought, wait a minute, I thought Denver was like overpriced market. You can't find anything. <laughs> yeah, if you live there and you're if you're this guy, you can. You can. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's that guy. I think everyone kind of knows him too. Like he's been doing it for a while. Very big personality. Really, really cool guy. Very smart too. So I'll maybe I'll maybe I can send him a note that you guys are coming out with because he he's runs into that problem all the time. He's like, dude, no lenders will loan. He's like, I know it's my my backyard. I know it's a deal, but I can't get a loan on it. You know that kind of thing. So anyway, cool. So what is aside from the fund? What do you have going 2024? What's sort of your outlook next year? So we're getting back to, uh, I guess, back to our roots with that. And, and so in January, we're going to launch a cohort that's focused on busy parents who hold at least one rental and they're looking to actively grow that portfolio. We've been running that, you know, we've been running the mastermind for five years now, learned a lot through that entire process, what works, what doesn't work, what folks like, uh, what folks don't like. Uh, a lot of folks don't like accountability, but man, it really works, you know, and, and it really comes down to, I've had a lot of conversations with folks in the last couple of years where, as, as my business coach put it, because I, I was getting frustrated. I was like, man, we're not growing the mastermind. It's not growing like I, I thought it would. And we, we have a really good success rate with the people in there. And um, he was like, well, explain to me what you're running into, right? And I was like, I told him and he goes, here's what I hear you saying, Jay. And he's a football guy and I'm a football guy. And he said, you're trying to sell 50 yard line Super Bowl ticket to somebody who's never been to a football game, meaning they've never invested in themselves. They don't know what it means to join a community. He goes, you just got to figure out how to get them to a home game in the upper deck. And, th and then they'll get to. So we, we focus on we're focusing on helping people understand what a growth friend is and what a maintenance relationship is. And it's a real quick exercise. If we got time to do this and take like yeah, maybe three minutes. Let's do it. So. A lot of the conversations I have are, are with people who are frustrated they're not growing, right? They've got a rental, maybe a handful of rentals, and they're like, but I just can't get past this. So I said, okay, let's let's do this exercise, which I totally am stealing from Hal Elrod, right? This is this is Hal's a great guy, but very, very smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically you take out a, a blank sheet of paper. At the top, you put two columns or you make two columns. One's growth friends, the other one's maintenance relationships. 
And for the sake of this exercise, a growth friend is somebody who's talking every time you talk to them, it's about real estate investing. It's about building wealth, legacy wealth, financial freedom, financial independence. You're having those types of conversations, right? And for the sake of this exercise, everybody else is going to be in the maintenance relationship category, right? It could be your mom, could be your brother, sister, dad, whoever. If you're not talking about those growth kind of things, they're going to go in this other category. Okay. So now we got our categories lined up. Now you get out your phone and you go to your most recent phone call, right? Go, just use your top 20 or 30 phone, uh, most recent phone calls and just write down the person's name in whatever column that they fall into. And by the time I get done with this exercise with, with 99% of the people, I'm like, you don't even have to tell me your results, right? I know because we're having this phone call that you're heavy on maintenance relationships. I'm like, yes. Like, well, how do I change that? It's like, well, basically you just, you take your lunch hour and you make two phone calls to people who are growth friends, right? You get tired of talking to those same two people. You find two more people and then you find, and you just keep doing it. And you're going to spend maybe 15 or 30 minutes a day doing it, right? And then, and then folks who run out of those growth friends or want to do more. And then I'm like, well, then you got to join a community, right? You got to join, you got to get really active. And this is not a community where you're going to just join and kind of hover in the background, right? You're going to, you're going to be engaged. You're going to be having conversations online and offline. And you do this for six months. And then you do the exercise again. You're going to be heavier on growth friends. And you're going to have a lot of momentum, right? And so that's that's our focus for 2024 is, is launching that cohort, working with busy parents. I can speak. I mean, our kids are nine, six, and four. And, you know, I don't necessarily technically have a job. But I've never felt more busy right now than I have my entire life. <laughs> And it's because of the kids. Matter of fact, we're about to leave to go do something at church. And and my son, I'm sitting in the sunroom and they're in their glass doors. I can see him. And he's arguing with my wife. And I can hear him. <laughs> Hopefully y'all can hear him. He's arguing with my wife because he wanted to wear sweatpants to church <laughs> and not like <laughs> like jeans or khakis uh, or whatever. And, the, and so there's a whole... And I'm glad we were talking. Uh, otherwise, I would have had to get up and go use the dad voice and be like, you know, get real like, no, you're going to church. <laughs> <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose. But uh, but anyway, tough love, I guess. Never hurt anybody. But that's that's the two biggest things we're focused on with our businesses. And then personally, you know, we set out to acquire two properties every year. We're, we're slow and steady, wins the race on that. And um, we bought one this year. And if I would have had my head right, we would be closing on a second before the end of the year, but I let it slip through and it's, it's under contract with somebody else right now. And so that'll be, that'll be the focus is just buy our two properties and uh, grow the, grow the businesses and help, help other folks grow their wealth. I love it, man. Yeah. Let's talk about your group. I mean, can you pitch it here? Are you okay with that? I mean, people listen and say, yeah, that group sounds perfect for me. I mean, this is a good platform. What, how can people find more about that? Yeah. So it's, you know, we have our landing page, just w2capitalist.com. But really, if folks want to reach out and learn more, just text me. You know, it's don't call me because my phone's set up to if you're not in my phone book, my phone's not going to ring and I don't check voicemail. So it's it's probably going to be full if you try to leave one. And uh, but just text me. And, and so my cell phone is 205-249-0248. But it's, you know, what we're I kind of sat back early this summer and I was like, all right, who are we helping with the community, right? How, and how do we, because there's there's a goal there. You know, a couple of years ago, I was like, I want to help a million people, you know, do what we've done. And ambitious goal, maybe never achieved, maybe, 
But I got to think, I was like, who are we helping? And I kind of just surveyed, you know, very subjectively surveyed the folks in our mastermind. I'm like, 80 to 90% of those people are married. 80 to 90% of those people have kids under the age of 10 or are trying to have, you know, kids soon. I was like, I wonder why that is. Oh, I can talk to them. We're, and, you know, we will be on mastermind calls and, and uh, a lot of times, our, our conversations drift toward other things in real estate, right? Like getting spouses on board and, you know, frustration with kids, the kids. Yeah, like, kids don't want to wear you know? jeans. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, I not want to get dressed to go to church. And, and, uh, and so a lot of our conversations will drift like that. And even to the point where we had our in-person conference this past January, crazy to think that's almost uh, a year anniversary for that. But we had... We had a uh, we had marital counselors, a couple of marital counselors come in and present to us. And it was a very boutique conference. We had 35 people there. But the reason the marital counselors came in is because one of the hot topics in the mastermind was I'm not aligned with my spouse in this. Like they don't want to do an investing or, you know, they didn't feel like they had the support. And man, it was one of the most impactful. Matter of fact, I reached out to them and said, hey, we're doing something in February. Can you guys come and present? the same thing virtually because it had such a huge impact because there's there's guys and gals in that room and when we're at the conference and they're texting their spouse like hey do you feel appreciated because i really do appreciate you (laughs) you know like like and then and so when the session broke you know everybody's on their phones and like hey i just want to give you some context around why you know why i sent why i messaged me but but yeah we're, we're focused on in january launching this cohort helping uh uh busy parents who are active. I know there's a lot of focus around being passive, but uh, there's also a subset of folks who are, are actively growing their own portfolios. And so that's that's who I know how to help. And our community is really good at, at, at doing that. So Awesome. All right, Jay. Well, I won't go through the round of questions with you here. This has been an amazing show. Let's do it, man. We got, I got time. You got time. You want to do I got time. I, I, I was worried you were off to church, but if you got time, no, let's do I, it. So. I got I like want... 10 minutes. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll speed around it. By the way, I've got to go change clothes too. I'm totally in sweats, so I've got to go. I've got to. I don't, I'm <laughs> Just argue with your wife and see what she says. <laughs> well, I, I did right before this. I stepped in and I and she was getting clothes for the kids, and I was like, "Hey, you know what? I'm wearing the church," and I pointed to this because <laughs> this is this is like my uniform when it gets below fifty in Florida, oh. and uh, and she gave me that look like. No, it ain't, and you know yeah, it's not. I know, I know that look. I'm very familiar <laughs> but, with that look. <laughs> but I heard, I heard Zig's first book, and I started listening to him. I was like, this guy's a Southern Baptist preacher from a small town, you know. And then I got to listen to him, and, and he's like, "Yep, he's from Yazoo City, Mississippi, which I've driven through. I don't remember why, but I know I've driven through it, and uh, it's a small town. So he he really speaks to me, and and just because I grew up in a small town, Northeast Alabama, right." in the south and and um but the concepts that he talks about is very similar to you know what's in the go-giver book you know and, and if you'll just help enough enough people you know get what they want and you'll get what you want to and that's that's something that really resonates with me and what we're trying to do with the, the w2 capitalist community and that's so true it's like time and time and time again like if i'm feeling stuck or i don't know like unmotivated like you're saying you know find someone who needs something and provide some some value for lack of a better word or some yeah. kind of support and it always comes back i mean i'm a huge huge believer in that i think it's that's a huge lesson so that alone i mean i just i really love that you shared that it's so so valuable well somebody asked me this book question the other day and 
I almost didn't tell them that I was listening to that book. And, and it's a second, you know, it's a repeat, you know, listen for me. And I, and I didn't want, cause I didn't want to come across as, uh, I didn't want them to think, oh man, you gotta be, you're not motivated right now. And I was like, well, I also want to be transparent. Yeah. There are days where I'm just not motivated. <laughs> not My wife and I were no, just talking about that today. It's so funny, man. <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, to be transparent, to be authentic, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, oh God, yeah, you know, I gotta go do this or I gotta do that. And, you know, I, I just want to take a break because there's so many things coming at you from, from life, investing, growing businesses, kids, spouse, although she's really great. I can't say that she's, she's coming at me in any directions on this, always trying to help and me not knowing how to receive help is, is, is two different things, <laughs> but whole nother show about that. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, but I, I share that because it is, it is real. I think everybody who's being interviewed on a podcast or a podcast host. I mean, there are days where they're not motivated. That doesn't come across that, you know, a lot of times in the, in the form that in the relationship that most people have with, you know, like better phrase influencers or, you know, where people are getting their content from. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's real. <laughs> no, it's super real. And I, I actually love that you said that because I kind of like get frustrated with that too. Like that's a social media downfall is like, mm. everything's great making so much money or what you know whatever like yeah you get the highlights yeah and then people forget oh what about that time this a real story that my rental basement flooded in january and i had to literally swim in there and hand dig out (laughs) and replace a water line and pump out all the water in the street and freeze like an ice rink like it was it was a nightmare and those things happen like real estate isn't all sunshine you know and you don't hear that stuff on podcasts i mean i think that it actually would be pretty funny podcast but like what's your worst story (laughs) so we do that sometimes in the mastermind so one of the one of the three things that we do on every call is we talk about big wins and one night one of the members said hey jay let's let's not do that let's talk about worst case scenarios let's talk about biggest blunders that everybody's had on the call and we did it and it was one of the most amazing calls that we had in the mastermind because i think it was just so real and authentic that the girl was like oh shit and so next next time we talk remind me to tell you the uh the short version of the fourplex i have where my handyman turned into a squatter oh man that's a hilarious story i have some good ones too because i self-managed for years too i have like i had to replace a boiler and and that doesn't exist here like a boiler's don't that was like a weird or put that in was from chicago or something but i had to drop ship one (laughs) And like literally like YouTube for days and install a boiler. It was in December too. And I had all these space heaters going for all the rentals. It was wow. a nightmare. And the, <laughs> anyway, it, it is like, it's funny. And even like even bigger stuff too. Like my mentor this year, they had a multifamily property. They had to do a capital call. And it was, mm. he was like, it was pretty rough. I mean, people were mad yeah. and, you know, stuff like that happens. And that, I mean, I wouldn't say it's his fault. He's a great guy. I'm sure that they did all they could, but that stuff does happen you got to be prepared for if you're accepting money from somebody they better understand that there's there could be some loss as well you know things like that but right well i'll I'll jump to the last one which which uh i think is for me really valuable what is your definition of success happiness right and then you got to get what is happiness what's the state of being happy (laughs) this is college definition (laughs) oh man i'm gonna play my cards right now the book i'm reading right now is called life worth living i looked over because it's right over there on my shelf but it's kind of like this too. So it's funny. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to call it midlife crisis, but lately I've been like, mm. what's the, what is that life? What is that like best 
thing that we're yeah. after. And this book really dives into that. And it kind of goes in like, is happiness the goal? And what is happiness? You know, with happiness, like you can't be happy without being sad. Like it's pretty deep, but oh, very, can't be very happy without being sad. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, that's what blew my mind. And they're like, there's all these philosophers throughout history that they kind of like cover that have these different thoughts around these things. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's the same with this question. But I'm kind of like you. If I'm, if I'm, I see you getting the nod. Is it time for you to? That's my, that's my son. He's making sure I'm going with him. (laughs) I thought that was like a put your real pants on. (laughs) (laughs) That's coming next. Yeah. No, that's, that's like, um, you know, and that's something I've learned. I'm learning you know, for the last couple of years, even though, you know, I'm around this group of monkeys in here 24 seven, I mean, you know, we homeschool them, we're traveling, you know, but for the last couple of years, you know, adjusting to that lifestyle, running businesses, there's been times where I'm just like so annoyed and not happy and it comes out and goes toward them. And, but here recently, I'd probably say in the last six months or so, I'm like, yeah, damn, this is a pretty good life we have. Like I get to spend all this time with the kids and probably probably what's resonated the most, and I can't remember who said this, but basically you only you only have small kids for a certain amount of time, right? And it's very small. And with our son, if unless we do it right, you know, we've got, you know, a couple like four years before he's a teenager, and then all of a sudden mom and dad aren't cool anymore, you know, and then then he's gonna be essentially quote unquote gone until probably mid twenties or whatever. And then like, all right, now give me some, you know? And so it, that's just really resonated with me. And I'm, and I like, all right, you get frustrated, you get mad, you get sad because we're, we're not growing fast enough, but let's turn around and focus on what you're missing out on because of those feelings. Right. And so it has really changed my perspective, especially because the kids, they only really want 50 minute increments of your time. And then they're on to something else, right? And I don't want them to constantly hear no. And for the last couple of years, that is the way it's been. No, I got to work. No, I got to go on this call. No, I got to do this. And um, I don't like the other day I was telling somebody that uh, a habit that I'm trying to break is that. So I'm, I'm the disciplinary one in the parental relationship. My wife is the loving, caring. I'm the disciplinary one. And so the kids react different to us. And I, the, what makes me explode and yell at them is when they don't respond to her, you know? And so I'm, I'm learning that if I just let her deal with it her own way, that I don't explode and that I don't, I, in that way, I can get out of the habit that I'm creating, which is go in, explode on everybody and just, you know, yell and then take a walk and then come back from the walk and apologize to everybody. And then let's just go like it never happened. Right. Like that's, that's the habit or or thing that I've created here recently. And I don't want that to be the case, you know? And so, yeah, it's to kind of circle back to your answer is it's just happiness, right? It's just being happy and man, just loving on those kids and making sure they're happy is, is that's happiness to me. You know? Oh, that's so cool, man. Though I, I really appreciate your transparency. I mean, I'm kind of the same way as like, there's things that I do that I look back like, like that. I mean, I get super mad too. Like I have, I have this sort of breaking point where I'm just like, all right, I hit my limit, you know, and same story where yeah. I'll yell or whatever it is. And, and it's like, yeah, I don't really want to be doing that. And I also want to be viewed that way. Like I don't want my kids to think I'm like this yelly yeah. dad, you know? And like, but then I think really the key is one, say it out loud, other people hearing you, right? Like totally resonate. Yeah. And then two is what are you going to do about it? Which I love. You're like, yeah. all right, I'm going to find 
the way that works that I don't have to do that. And I, I really respect that. So that's awesome. I started, I started laughing at myself the other day because I realized that, and I was yelling at my oldest to, and I was yelling. So it's poor yelling, stop yelling. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to be more patient. <laughs> so I am, I am doing two hypocritical things here with him. Is like, you know, and I, I right now put myself in his shoes is he's being told to stop yelling and be more patient by somebody who's yelling and not being patient. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. You know, like how hypocritical is that? <laughs> and so I find that a lot of times when I get upset toward, toward the kids, uh, I end up reciprocating the behavior they are. And that, to me, that's, that's not a parenting style that I'm, I'm going to do. Like I've got to change that. So, cause it's not effective. It's just very, there's very mixed signals. <laughs> like, oh, dad, totally. you're yelling at me. <laughs> dad, you weren't being patient with me. You're like, okay, you make a great point. <laughs> like, what <laughs> else? Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Cause I can, the reason I'm laughing is really red, resonate like hundred percent with that. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a challenge, but I, I mean, again, back to the point is like, all right, well, at least you're going to search out the, the thing that will help you not do that anymore. Right. Or like a, yeah. a way, and it's not easy. Parenting is the hardest job in the world, but uh, it's also the most rewarding, you know, it's, it's super cool. It's so, fun. Yeah, it is fun. It is, uh, you know, to see your kids accomplish anything or show, you know, get around other kids and yours are so much more respectful than everybody else's. And you're like, all right, there's a pride here. We're like, doing something. Uh, all right. Yeah. Something right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right on, Jay. Well, I'll let you uh, get to church, man. I appreciate your time so much. Really, Thank really you. love these conversations. You already left your number. Is there any other thing you want to leave contact-wise or anything else you want to pitch before I let you go? Well, so now the the only no, yes. Uh, if you are an aspiring investor, you've never done a deal before, I do have a book. Uh, it was, it was Amazon, Amazon bestseller when it first came out in 11 different categories. It's called Make an Offer, and I give away copies of that for free to anybody who wants one. So just text me, say, hey, I heard you on Eric's show. I'd like a copy of your book, and I'll, I'll send you a physical copy, give you the PDF, or if we have some audio versions still left, because we got so many free from Audible, then I'll, I'll send you one of those. So Awesome. Ron Jay, well, thanks for your time, man. This has been a great, great show. Appreciate your transparency as well. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate you having me. All right. Again, a great show. I mean, I think the pre and post shows, we just chat. I, I have a lot of respect for Jay, just a really outstanding person. Again, I think he's one of those people that just is thoughtful. I like his underwriting style. When we talk about that before and after the show, it's like, yeah, we align in being very conservative. And I just, I really love, love his transparency in the episode as well. I mean, I really liked how he was like, look, here's some downfalls that I do as a dad. And that resonates a ton with me as well. So I hope you got a lot of uh, value out of that. Thank you so much for being here and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Mindset Podcast. If you've enjoyed the content today, please follow this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to head over to wildoakcapital.com for more information or to connect with Eric directly. Please take a moment to leave a review or tell a friend about what you've listened to today. We hope you'll tune in again soon.